just about is that God wants us to receive. God wants us to receive all of his riches um, that are available to us through his awesomeness, through everything that you saw in that DVD that he has to give us. God wants us to receive. And that's the second thing. And he wants us to receive on a daily basis. And you know, the second thing, apart from believing that he wants us to receive, I'm also convinced that we receive this much of what God wants us to receive when he wants to give us this much. I'm utterly convinced of that. And this morning I want to run through what we receive from our mighty, awesome king, our mighty, awesome God. And then I want to look at how we receive. How do we receive? And then I want to look at why. Why do we receive? And lastly, I want to look at when. When do we receive? So what do we receive? Let's run through some scriptures um, and that will give us an understanding of what we receive from our king. The first scripture is Matthew 10, 40 and it says, And he who receives me, Jesus said, receives the one who sent me, Father God. So those of us that receive Jesus as Lord of our lives also receive God, his Father. And in John 20, it says, and with that he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So when we receive from God, we receive a trifecta. We receive God the Father. We receive Jesus, his Son, as Lord and King of our lives. But we also receive his Spirit. And in the next scripture, it says that not only when we receive his Spirit, we receive the power that comes from his Spirit. Next, next, the scripture, please. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. It says in Acts 1, 8. You're doing a great job, Gar. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, for your power. See, it doesn't come from me. It comes from that box up there. <laughs> so not only do we receive the trifecta, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, but God promises we receive his power as well. His divine power, it says in 2 Peter 3, has given us everything. And I want you to understand that's everything. Everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very precious promises. So God's saying, not only do I give you my spirit, when we receive Jesus as Lord of our life. I give you power. I give you everything you need. And I give you my word. Can you imagine just for a moment if you really laid claim to that, if you really received all that God promises that he wants to give you? Can you imagine what your life would really be like? Next slide. For those who would believe on him, it says in 1 Timothy, they will receive eternal life. 
I get an image of a God that wants to, a mighty king that wants to bless so abundantly that not only do we receive his spirit and receive his power and receive everything we need from him to live a godly life and receive his word, but more than that, he wants to continue to bless us by knowing that we actually receive a life with him forever in eternity. Can you get a picture? Do you know him today? The God that wants to lavishly bless us with all that he wants to give us. Next slide. For you didn't receive, the Bible says, a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship and by him we cry, Abba, Father. So God wants to to give us so much. That is the first thing. And he wants to give in a way that doesn't um, let us understand that he is a God that is distant. He actually wants to call us into community, into his family, and call us daughter, call us son. We have an amazing, awesome God. So God wants to give. That is the first thing. And he wants us to receive That is the second thing. And if I was to summarise all the riches that he wants to give us, and they are so vast, so amazing, I think I'd have to try and get my head around one word to understand that, and that word is grace. And we sang about grace this morning. And some people have said, you know, the word grace means God's riches at Christ's expense. You know, grace is a funny word. Um, the Bible scholar Donald Barnhouse perhaps said it best when he said that love that goes upward is worship, love that goes outward is affection, but love that stoops down is grace. It's undeserved. It's always more dangerous and, and more costly for the giver to give than for the receiver to see, receive when it's grace. An example of grace, suppose that um, you had a son and, and he was murdered and there are three responses you could have made and one of those responses would be you went out and you found the murderer and you killed him and that would be vengeance. The second response would be that you decided as parents that you would let the law of the land just run its natural course. And so the murderer was apprehended, went to court and was jailed for life. That's called justice. But suppose you went out and you found the, the guy that murdered your son and you looked him in the eye and you said, I forgive you. And you invited him back into your house to live with you. That's actually grace. And it's just such a hard concept to grasp because it runs counter to everything that we know about this graceless world. It, it, it means that um, it, it's so hard to grasp because we, we don't think in that way. We, we think in the way that we, we earn to, to receive, that um, that. You know, you deserve what you get. And grace says, no, no, you actually don't deserve this gift, these riches that I give you, these riches of forgiveness, these riches of salvation, these riches of the Holy Spirit, these riches of his word, these riches 
of fullness in life. You don't deserve this, but God wants to give it to you anyway if you would receive. You know, most people would not be able to forgive someone that murdered their own son and then invite them in to come and live in their own home. But, you know, God does it every day, every single day. He takes the guilty, believing sinner who says, I'm lost, I'm unworthy, guilty as charged, I'm undeserving of forgiveness, and he extends the gift of eternal life because Christ's death on the cross satisfied his demand against sin. And the greatest example of grace is when the king of kings the God that created this universe it became incarnate. That means became man, became truly human in human flesh. And he came and he stooped down into this world because he loved us so dearly. And he became one of us. And he lived in poverty. And he lived amongst us, the Bible said. And the greatest example of grace was when, at the appointed time, he chose to die an agonising death on a cross at Calvary for us so that we, we who don't deserve it, could come to the cross and, and ask for forgiveness, repent and invite him into our life so we would have everlasting life. But we would also have life in this life full of riches, his grace. And Jonathan talked about the commitment of that last week. So what do we receive? We receive what we don't deserve. We receive an abundance. This word grace, which kind of summarises for me, was something that it's, it's a bit like a fable now when C.S. Lewis uh, interrupted a conference of world leaders discussing different religions and they wanted to identify what was the defining mark of Christianity and they were debating this for hours and he walked in and, and he said, what's all, this, what's all this ruckus about? And when they said, we're, we're looking for the defining difference of Christianity as distinct from other religions and straight away he said, that's easy, that's grace, that's grace. It's undeserved, it's unmerited, it's free, it's given lavishly and abundantly in our lives. I remember a time, and I'm sorry if I've repeated this, but it's the most poignant and powerful experience of grace I've ever had in my own life. And it's when um, seven years ago I had cancer and I, I was very, very ill. I'd had um, extensive re uh, chemotherapy. Uh, I developed uh, a, a secondary illness called febrile neutropenia where all your blood cells were just wiped out. And I developed an infection and I was told that I, if I'd waited another couple of hours, I would probably would have gone into a coma. And I remember my veins had packed up due to the chemo and I, I was having IV antibiotics, you know, pushed through my veins. And... I'd got to the end, I'd got to the end and I'd, I'd actually felt my whole life force just leaving me. I just literally couldn't go on. And, and I remember coming to my Lord Jesus and I said, I just, I want you to take me. And that's a big thing. 
because I was seven years younger then and I had young, younger children and that's a big thing for a mum to say, take me. But I had got to that point. And I remember there in my room, and I don't know whether it was my imagination, I don't know whether it really was real, but I saw it. I saw there on the wall the cross of Jesus Christ in all his agony and his words came through as clearly as a microphone to my ear. And he said, Father, take this cup from me. And it was there at that point that he ministered to me through his grace. It was at that point I understood for the first time in my life what it really meant to have intimacy with Jesus Christ, to understand that he understood my pain, to understand that he became fully man for my sake, that he experienced suffering for my sake so that when I suffered, I knew I had a God that could identify with me and could help me and strengthen me in that time and in that place. That's God's grace. And I I can't tell you that immediately I was restored physically, but immediately I was strengthened, I was sustained, I experienced his presence, his Holy Spirit, his intimacy in, in a place where I was fully weak. And it helped me to understand 2 Corinthians 12, when Paul had a spirit from Satan that was sent to torment him three times and three times he pleaded with God to take it from him and three times Jesus said, my grace is sufficient for my power is made perfect in weakness. God wants to give and we need to receive. We need to receive his grace, his forgiveness, his Holy Spirit, his power, his love. It's there. It's available. I know it in my own life. I know it from his word. But how? How do we receive it? How do we receive these riches that he wants to give us? So we're on to the how. Well, I just want you to imagine your life for a moment, particularly your heart. We've sung about our heart this morning and our mind being a bit like a tank. And imagine if this tank was full or almost full, but imagine if it was full of all the wrong things. Imagine if it was full of the anxieties of this world. Imagine if it was full of bitterness. Imagine if it was full of pain and hurt from from past sins that have been visited upon us or by, by guilt and sin that we've actually done ourselves. Imagine if this tank is full of just comfortableness and striving for what the world can offer. Imagine if this tank is full of a poor spirit, a weak spirit that says I'm unworthy to receive. Imagine if this tank was pretty full at the moment and God says I want to give and I want you to receive. But God can actually only give this much. He can't go any further because the tank is full. The tank is absolutely full. So what we receive 
is not all what God wants to give us. And I know of no better way than to clear the tank, to empty, empty the tank, except through confession and through surrender. It, it's an actual pivotal principle for healing. It's pivotal. We need to come to God and confess our sins. You know, in the movie The Mission, Robert De Niro plays a really cruel, selfish, brutal man. It's a movie that was many years ago, about 10 years ago, but it's a great movie. Get it out. As an act of penance, he's required to carry with him a heavy burden tied to his body and it weighs him down. It causes him pain. But through carrying the burden, he begins to see his life differently. All he has built around his life in reality has been a burden to him and hurtful to others. He begins to see his own helplessness. One day on a desperate climb up a mountain, it becomes apparent that he's not going to make it. He couldn't carry the burden. It would kill him. Then a man standing by with one stroke of his knife cuts it off and De Niro is free. The burden has done its work. The giving of the burden was an act of grace. It caused pain and hardship, but it was grace all the same. The release from the burden was also an act of grace. And so it is with confession. Through it we feel the weight and pain of our burden and through it we come face to face with the one, the king, with a stroke of his knife, sets us free. That's grace. And that's, how, that's one way that we receive more and more of his grace. It's surrendering the things that are in the tank that need to be surrendered. You know, Bill Hybel says that every morning when he gets out of bed, before his feet touch the ground, his knees touch the ground. And there in that place, he says a simple prayer every morning. And he says a prayer of confession, first of all, a prayer of adoration for the king and all he wants to give us. But then he says a prayer of confession and surrender, that, Lord, take my life. I want to die to self. I want to give you all that's in my life today. And I want to receive from you all your riches that you want to give me this very day. Empower me with your Holy Spirit. Strengthen me with your word to go out and to be all that I need to be in Jesus' name. It's a great prayer. It's a great principle. A couple of years ago, I went to a Care Force conference and the whole theme of the conference was that there is no way we can minister to and walk and partner with Jesus Christ in helping to restore and heal broken people unless we first receive. The principle is we receive first in order to give out. It's not the other way around. One of the greatest heresies that has been perpetuated in the Christian life is that somehow we think we first have to do for God before he will do for us. It's not so. It's exactly the other way around. God wants to give and do for us and we need to receive first in order to do for, for him and others.
So we receive through confession and surrender. That's the how. But we also receive through humility and with boldness and thankfulness. You know, there's a beautiful image in John chapter 12 of Mary, the same Mary who was the sister of Lazarus. And in chapter 11 in John, it talks about how Lazarus had died and Mary races out to meet Jesus and she says, Jesus, if you had have been here, you could have healed him. But even now I know that you can bring him back to life. And the story goes on and Jesus does. Jesus does raise Lazarus literally from the dead. And so then we see in John chapter 12 this beautiful image of Mary and she's seated at Jesus' feet. That's a position of humility. It's a position of surrendering all. And she's pouring a bottle of expensive nard, the Bible says, which is expensive perfume estimated to be a whole year's wage. What a cost. And she's pouring it out over Jesus' feet. But then she's also with her hair wiping his feet. She's worshipping him with her whole body. In Romans chapter 12, it says, present yourselves, your whole body, as a living sacrifice to our Lord Jesus Christ. And Mary was doing that. She was opening herself up to receive from the king. She acknowledged his kingship and in humility and in thankfulness for what Jesus had done. She wanted to bless him. But he, God can never be out-blessed. God can never, ever be out-blessed because he goes on to say that, you know, really, Mary, you have done a better thing in comparison to Martha who was busying herself with preparing the meal. We can never out-bless our God. So one way to keep receiving the grace that we need from him is to humbly come to him every day with confession and repentance, but with adoration and thankfulness in all that he's done. And you know what? We receive yet again. We receive yet again. And in Hebrews um, chapter 4, 16, it says, let us come boldly to the throne of grace where we will receive mercy and help in our time of need. So we come with confession and surrender and humility and thankfulness, but we also come boldly because we know who our God is. He's the king. He's the one that wants to give. He's the one that wants to shower us with his grace and his riches. And and like I said earlier, I'm utterly convinced that we limit what he wants us to receive. I have no doubt about that because I know it in my own life. I have no doubt that you do that as well. And we need to come boldly. And lastly, we need to come, and John Ortberg, he's a fabulous author, talks about this in his book on grace. We need to develop eyes of noticing every day. We need to notice the grace that is available to us in our life every day. You know, we can't receive unless we know what we're receiving and we see it. And, you know, every day God gives us his riches if only we would notice, if only we would see. 
How do you notice his grace in your life every day? Are you too busy to notice? Are you too preoccupied? Are you too, is your heart too set on the things of the world rather than the things of God? I was driving here this morning and a beautiful sunshine. The sun was shining and there were bike riders riding their bikes out towards the weir. And there was one couple and they were riding side by side and they had these enormous smiles on their face and it occurred to me that they do not even know the grace that they're receiving right now. Being able to, in freedom, do something that is life-giving, like riding a bike in God's beautiful sunshine. Do you notice? When we think about um, Valentine's Day and we think about the concept of love, love between a husband and wife, where does that come from? Where does the concept of love come from? Doesn't John, doesn't John, who was initially known as um, the son of thunder. So we imagine from that description, he must have been a man that uh, had a pretty, you know, sort of stern countenance and pretty volatile man. And he writes in, in the book, the Gospel of John 1.1, and he says, you know, we beheld his glory. For his fullness we have received grace upon grace. John was a man that understood the outworking of grace every day in his life. He went from being a man of thunder to a man that wrote the book of 1 John. And some people have said the book of 1 John is the book of love. There's a famous scripture in 1 John. It simply says God is love. John had gone from, the, from a son of thunder to a, son, a, a man that was motivated by love because of what he'd received on a daily basis through our Lord Jesus Christ. So that's how we receive. We need to notice people. We need to notice this church is a church of grace. Every time you come here, you receive from God. Every time you're in your small group and your small group leader has, during the week, patiently prepared that week's um, message and preparation and study, you're receiving grace. Every time someone comes to visit you or rings you up, you didn't earn that, but you received grace. Every time your child goes to a children's church and they're ministered to, this morning they're being ministered by clowns, your children receive grace. It's undeserved, unmerited, it's free. We take it for granted. We need to develop eyes that will start to notice the grace that is being poured out in our lives. But we, we experience grace more profoundly, more deeply when we become aware of our own need for grace, our, our ability to come before the throne of grace, surrender every day, say, Lord, I'm not worthy, but by your blood that was shed on Calvary, you've made me worthy. Let me receive 
your grace and your mercy in this day, your empowerment to help me in this day. That's the how. The tank has to be cleared. The tank has to be empty so we can receive from him. John the Baptist said, less and less of me, more and more of him. We need to receive that. So why? I guess I've explained why in lots of ways. But let me just run through. Let me run through just very quickly the why. Why receive God's gift of grace and all the riches that are contained in that grace? Because once you take it, you'll be given the power to give up, to put on, to take off, to quit, to start. That's why we receive. Don't confuse it with salvation. We receive God's gracious gift of salvation once, once for all eternity, but every day we need to receive his ongoing grace in our lives to empower us. In John 10.10 10, it says, For I have come to give life and life in all its fullness. How can we be full if our tank is full of our own stuff and not full of the stuff that God wants us to receive? And, and why do we receive? Well, We receive because it leads to a life of worship. The more we receive of God's presence, the more we receive of his power, the more we receive of his mercy, of his forgiveness, of his gracious judgment, the more we're in love with him, the more we're empowered by him and the more we want to give back to him. Love that goes up is worship. Why receive? Well, it leads to a life of healing. If that is the principle, we can't be stuck in our pain and in our bondage and in our sin. We just literally can't be stuck. If the tank is continually being filled up, it's a clean tank, it's a beautiful tank, it's an oxygen-filled tank, it's a life that's full, it's a healed tank. That's why we receive. Why else do we receive? Well, it leads to a life of serving. We cannot serve this world, which is a call that is on every person's life, unless we first receive empowerment from our Lord. We cannot do it the other way around. Serving in our own strength just ends up exhausting us. We need to receive first in order to serve. It leads to a life of dying and there's no greater life. It's such a paradox, the Christian life, that to gain life, we have to die. We have to die to self. And it leads daily to a life of surrender that says, "Uh uh-uh, this thing that keeps a hold of me, this thing that keeps me trapped in bitterness, I no longer want it, Lord. I want that to die in my life. I want to surrender it to you so you can fill me with your grace, your spirit, your forgiveness, your life. It leads to a life of dying. And therefore, it leads to a life that helps us to bear fruit. Jesus said that um, if in John 15, if you remain in me, the vine, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. 
And what is the fruit? Would you like, this is the why receive, would you like to have more of this in your life? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Why receive? Because God wants us to bear much fruit and to change this hurting world. It was a great day on Wednesday. It made a start. It was a godly principle to say we're sorry. To say we're sorry is a, a, scripture, is a scriptural principle and life emanates from that. Grace received but unexpressed is dead grace. To spend time debating how grace is received or how much commitment is necessary for salvation without getting into what it means to live by grace every day and enjoy the magnificent freedom in Christ it provides, freedom from our sin nature. We need to understand that. How do we receive it? We receive it through opening ourselves up to receive. Instead of looking ahead and announcing grace is ours, oh, sorry, instead let's look ahead and say grace is ours. Let's live it. Let's receive it. You deny it and debate grace and you kill it. And my plea is that we claim it, that we receive it and we allow it to set us free. And when we do, grace will become what it was meant to be, really amazing. When that happens, our whole life changes and maybe the whole world can change as a result of one life being changed through what they've received from our Lord Jesus Christ. So lastly, we've understood the what, we've understood the how, we've understood the why, because Jesus wants us to be more and more like him. Jesus wants us to grow in grace. So when? <clears throat> Why not now? What's stopping us? You know, you could leave here today and heaven help it, but you could be run over by a bus. And none of us know the time or the hour when the Lord is going to take us to be with him in heaven. But maybe today you've never ever received the gift of salvation from our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, I'd encourage you in our prayer time this morning, come and receive that gift. Now is the time. And maybe there's some of you here this morning that just know that you've been trying to live life your own way, even though you know you've given your heart to Jesus, but it's full of all the wrong stuff. And you want to receive more of his riches, more of what the king wants to give you, his mercy, his forgiveness, his love, his freedom his word, then maybe this morning is a time to come before the throne of grace and to surrender, to confess and surrender and to receive, to receive all that he wants to give you. 
Because I am convinced, I am absolutely convinced that we have more available to us than we ever receive. I'm absolutely convinced of that. I believe that we have more available to us if we would receive it to empower us, to give us life and to give us life in all its fullness. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we just thank you so much that you came to die on the cross for us at Calvary. We came that we might have life and life in all its fullness and we pray this morning, Lord, that there will be people here that will receive that gift of salvation. We pray this morning, Lord Jesus, that there will be those amongst us that walk with you, but the walk's been shaky. The walk's been in a different direction. And now is the time, right now, right now is the day to come back, to surrender, to confess and receive yet again like the prodigal son all that you want to lavish upon us, all that you want to give us. Lord Jesus, we can never outgive you. We give you glory. We give you praise for all that you are, our mighty King. Amen.